0: I hate starting podcasts with hello every day, so I'm just going to start it cold turkey. I think that's a good way to put it.
1: Cold turkey. So we're going. This is it. We're this on. This
0: is it. We're on, Mike.
1: All right. So- well, howdy, Delaney.
0: <laughs> howdy.
1: What do you got going on?
0: Well, I have girls on the run practice here coming up pretty soon.
1: What is that?
0: Well, Girls on the Run is a group meant for third through fifth grade girls and it combines running with empowering them and teaching them how to be better what's the word I'm looking for? More self confident and okay with who they are and kinda that's kind of the age where girls sort of start to realize body image and issues and notice themselves as more individualized. So it really helps brace girls for what's coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I empower myself with a uh, with a gun. That's that's what I use. <laughs> I don't. But you know, I, I also th- I could see running. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah a little different.
0: Uh huh. I don't think our coaches would appreciate. I mean, I don't think the head coaches would appreciate that per se with empowering girls with a gun. Hmm. But yeah, we do it through running. And running physical activity.
1: Yeah, that's that's a. I hear that is worth doing. Yeah. Not a big fan of physical activity. I'll. I'll run into a gas station to get a Butterfinger. That's oh. about as far as I want to go. Oh, well, good. So, Delaney, this is the Ag News Daily Podcast. This is the Ag you News You are Delaney Howell. I'm
0: Delaney Howell.
1: And I'm Mike Pearson. That's right. And do we have any news going on today? Do we have any happenings?
0: We have a lot going on today. Should we start with our news from Ag News Daily or Ag News?
1: Let's give them a little Ag News to keep them interested.
0: Okay. All right. We'll, we'll come back to our news. Don't worry. We have good news for you, listeners. We a lot of the stories I have today are mostly follow ups to what we what stories we've been following. um I think I reported maybe it was last week that the chem China Syngenta merger was waiting for approval from a couple, a couple a couple different international entities, but on Wednesday, China's Ministry of Commerce has blessed the merger so I think left to bless this merger, if you will. Is still the European Union and maybe one or two other countries internationally.
1: Okay, but we have. The FTC did bless ChemChina Chem Syngenta.
0: I believe so, but don't quote yes, me on that. Yes, you're right. That. They think... had
1: to divest a few pesticides. Yes, yes. Then they were yep, approved. Yep, that's right. You know, uh, while we're talking about uh, approvals and courts and whatnot, there was a bit of news. This came out actually two days ago, and it's one of those things that slid under my radar, and now having read it, it's kind of big news. So back when uh, George W. Bush was president in 2008, the EPA carved out an exemption to reporting requirements for a majority of farms for their pollutants, mainly ammonium and hydrogen sulfide emitted by animal waste. So since 08, agricultural operations have been exempted from reporting the amount of ammonia and hydrogen sulfide emitted by the animal waste. And the EPA did this. They exempted it because there is no real good way to track it. So they said there's no sense in reporting it if we can't track it. On the 11th, just two days ago, the three-judge panel of the uh, Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia agreed with environmental groups and has changed that. They said the EPA does not have the authority to carve out those kind of exemptions. Uh, basically, they're saying that there might be some tools that farmers could use to measure these uh, these types of pollutants or uh, or off gases, and basically, where it's going to take a law from Congress to change EPA statute in order to continue to be exempt as ag operations. So, unless things change, folks, if you've got a large scale, I would imagine this is a, a poultry and hog farm specific to a larger extent what with the hydrogen sulfide in there and the ammonia um, you could be required to be measuring the amount of gases coming out of your lagoons or your uh, dry manure storage and reporting it to the EPA so gosh boy stay active call your call your legislator that would be a big change
0: Speaking of calling your legislator, apparently Wisconsin farmers voices are being heard and lawmakers and farmers are calling for an emergency action plan because they're deeming this a dire situation. And just to refresh some folks, we're speaking about the Grassland Dairy Product Incorporation's recent letter to producers that their milk was no longer going to be accepted. So with that recent news, State Ag Secretary for Wisconsin, Ben Bransel, said he met yesterday with members of the dairy industry and they are working very hard and avidly to find solutions and quote the governor has been engaged with the white house we have sent letters to the usda as well as the trade representatives we have notified individuals within those organizations that this has to be at the top of their priority list so they really are trying to put their best foot forward and be a light for those in the dairy industry Yesterday we had a heartbreaking interview with Jennifer Sauer, and she was a farmer, is, is a dairy farmer in Waterloo, Wisconsin with her husband. And after talking to Jennifer, um, I reached out to a few people at Grasslands, and hopefully we will have them on for an interview either tomorrow or sometime early next week. So really just trying to get their side of the story and what they've been doing to help brace or this initial impact for some of the farms
1: yeah because you know grassland has taken a lot of heat for this but really the change is coming from canada and right. then it's just working its way down the supply chain and unfortunately it's really slapping those wisconsin farmers so if you're tuning in for the first time this episode uh do yourself a favor listen to yesterday's that conversation with jennifer Sauer really drives home just uh, how severe this this issue really is for those affected producers Um, While we're on the topic of government and regulations, the EPA is currently searching for Obama-era regulations to repeal, and this was established by President Trump on February 24th. He said, uh, basically, uh, let's open up this to public feedback, and let's figure out what rules we can roll back. And a new EPA director, Scott Pruitt from Oklahoma, said that the Obama administration set up a uh, basically a jobs or environment dichotomy and he goes we can change that he says quote moving forward the EPA will be listening to those directly impacted by the regulations and learning ways we can work together with our state and local partners to ensure we have clean air land and water to Americans so we've got 30 days to comment if there's a rule out there that just sticks in your craw get in there get on uh, epa.gov and uh let them know hey let's uh Either change the rule or change how we can conform to it and make it better suit those of us who work on the
0: land. What was that what was that reference again? Whatever tricks your craw?
1: Sticks in your craw. Ah,
0: huh, that's a new one. Is it really? It is. No. I've never heard that one. Yeah,
1: I heard it. Uh, it's an old timer type of saying. Oh
0: well that makes sense to me. Yeah. I haven't heard
1: it. Yeah. But, oh, know? I see what you're saying. I see it. <laughs> All right. All right, I gotcha. What else you got, Delaney? Any other news?
0: I have a couple more. Quick updates here. I got a text from Kurt Dahlmeier, who was on our podcast, I believe, last week, if I remember correctly. And he talked about a few different things. But one of the biggest or most important things, I think, that he touched on was the new transportation ruling that is coming out, what was it, December, I believe, Mike?
1: I think that's right. I think it's uh, I think it's December 1.
0: Right. So with those new regulations...
1: Electronic logbooks. Uh, electronic the-
0: logbooks were the big thing. But also the amount of hours that semi-drivers could could drive in one period. I believe Kurt said they can drive 11 hours, but then they have to be off for 10 hours. And so a concern with that was that livestock, you can't just pull over on, a, on the side of the road if you have livestock with you if you hit your 11-hour mark. So anyways, Kurt texted me this morning and said he had gotten a call from a turkey grower and cattle producer that is on the Farm Bureau, and they're going to bring up going to bring it up to their attention and try to lobby for livestock exemptions with semis. So I think we will try and get Kurt back on here within the next couple of weeks and see if he's heard any more updates on that issue.
1: Yeah, and I remember one of the the rules, the way it was written is that trucks newer than 2,000 or trucks that are operated, um, if you're paid hourly, I think it's exempt. But yeah, it would impact especially those independent farmer haulers, you know, I I, I kind of wonder if I just got to start buying 1999 model Peterbilts and then flipping them that way because they're exempt from the electronic logbooks. Right, but right. big issue, big old pain. Mm-hmm. Delaney, do you have any other news?
0: I have one more quick update here on the Brazilian meat scandal. Uh, let's see who reported this article. AgWeb powered by Farm Journal, had an article on their website today saying that Brazilian meat companies may lose as much as $1.5 billion in exports this year due to the corruption and scandal that was going on in Brazil last month. And currently, Brazil accounts for 20% of global beef exports. So it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. And additionally, JBS's shares have tumbled 13% since March 17th when the scandal broke.
1: And, you know, that's almost too bad for JBS because uh, by most of the accounts that I've heard of the news coming out of Brazil, their plants haven't, haven't been affected. I think it's all BRF and one of the other smaller producers. So, but, but shareholders or stock owners are taking their anger out on Brazilian meat in general with JBS. Mm -hmm. And that's always the challenge when you're uh, working with the stock market. Speaking of markets, Delaney, should we do the markets before we talk to Darren Newsom, our uh, interview for the day?
0: Let's plan on that.
1: Let's do that. All right. Let's take a look here at the corn market. We got some green on the screen again today. May corn closed up 2 cents at 3.71 even. December corn also closed up 2 cents at 3.94 and a half. May beans up 7 and 3 quarter cents north of 9.50. They closed the day at 9.55 and a half. Novi beans up 6 and a quarter, closed at 9.61 and 3 quarters. On the wheat side, May wheat down three and a half cents at four twenty-nine and three quarters. December wheat down three and a half cents as well. Finished the day at three seventy-six and three quarters. Looking over at the livestock market, live cattle trade. uh April contract up big, up a dollar seventeen and a half. Closed the day at one twenty-five thirty-seven and a half. June live cattle up thirty-five cents. Finished at one fourteen seventy. In feeder cattle, April feeders up 30 cents, finished at 137.80. May feeders up 57.5, closed the day at 138.40. Lean hogs, hey, finally a bit of green in the lean hog screen. April lean hogs up 22.5 cents, finished at 62.45. May lean hogs up 27.5 cents, finished at 68.30 even. And just a quick look at the milk contracts April class 3 milk up 4 cents at 15.23. Sorry about that, dairy producers. May milk up, excuse me, poof, down. We're in the red. 29 cents in the May contract close the day at 15.20. Delaney, should we get some deeper insight on these markets from Darren Newsom?
0: Well, Mike, I'm going to run to practice, but I will join you after you're done interviewing Darren to cut outro with you.
1: All right, folks, well, we are back with one of our uh, one of our favorite market analysts, Mr. Sunshine, we call him. He is Darren Newsom. He is the uh, markets editor over at DTN, kind of a big wheel. And last time we had you on, Darren, you were just about the most depressing person in the planet. Are you in a different space today?
2: You know, probably. Um, you know, Long term, I don't think things have changed all that much. But short term, uh, you know, th- things look a little bit better over the next you know, couple weeks, Um so, yeah, I'd say it's, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, as long as we don't look too far down the road, things still look, a, things could look a little bit better.
1: Novi beans. Let's start there. Yeah. We had the report come out, you know, you're not a huge fan of USDA reports, of course, and 90 million acres prospective plantings. Is the mm-hmm. low in, can we say that, that, what, that 940, 942, whatever it was we traded, is that the low?
2: No. Okay. Um, no. Yeah it's it's april um we've got a long way to go is it the short-term low yeah um you know we, we've probably posted a, a spike low um but you know if we look at it we're, we're we're seeing increased estimates for brazilian production world ending stocks domestic ending stocks yes china has an insatiable appetite for, uh, for all things soybean, demand is going up, but it's just hard to say. And if we wind up planting that 89, 90 million acres of soybeans, whatever it turns out to be, you know, and we have good weather, we could be looking at another huge crop and increased ending stocks for 17, 18. So I think it's too early to say that the, low, that the long-term low is in, short, certainly it looks like a short-term low is in, but... Again, it's April. We've got a long way to go, and and I I don't think the low's in yet.
1: All right, and now when you're looking at charts, I'm pulling up my chart here. You like to look at monthly and weeklies, right? Those are give you the best yes. indications. Correct. Okay, so I just yeah, pulled up. You know. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: You no, know, no, no, no. You just go ahead with your question.
1: All right. So I was just going to say I pulled up the uh, the one year weekly. Right mm-hmm. now, what am I looking at here? Five year weekly. And it looks like, and I don't have my slide rule with me here to draw a perfect line, but it looks like a trend line there off the lows from May of 15, secondary bottom in uh, November, December, January, March probably of 16, mm-hmm. and then May maybe of last year. I mean, we're kind of on track. It looks like we bounced off that uh, trend line. How confident. Can you be in a bounce like that? For a short-term low, how long would you give it until we test it again?
2: Well, I, you know, it could be months down the road. And, and you raise an interesting question. You know, if I go to the weekly chart, we posted a very we posted one of the most bullish signals that we can post on the NovBeam chart. Uh, we've got a number of things going on. Uh, but what, one of the things I look for is, is, a, is a reversal with an outside pattern. So in other words, we traded outside of last week's range. Uh, So we had a higher high, lower low than last week's range, and we closed higher for the week. And we did that with stochastics, which are a momentum study, below the oversold level of 20%. So it looks to me like not only has the short-term trend on daily charts changed, uh, turned up, but also the, the secondary trend on weekly charts has also turned up. So it, again... You know, the long-term chart still showing some bearishness from, from the end of March, uh, but here, you know, we've, we've got an opportunity in here. We've got an opportunity to see November beans, you know, really possibly build some momentum to get back up into that old trade area where we kind of stalled out last time with a high 10, oh, what was that, 10, short of 10.35 and a low, I like to say the 9.95 to 10.35 range, that 40-cent range in there, so. You know, I, certainly it looks like we can get back up into that range.
1: So now as a producer, I'm looking mm-hmm. at my neighbors. We're planting more beans. Weather's wet. So, I mean, possibly we mm-hmm. could see corn planting delayed. We could see those bean acres go in. How aggressive do I want to be right in here on this positive move this week?
2: I wouldn't be aggressive this week. Okay. Uh, again, we just, we just got a bullish sign this week. Now, you know, so let's give it some time. You know, if we want, if we're nervous about it, we've got all the big reports out of the way until the May report. So we've got what three four weeks in here uh, before the next round of hoo ha hits the market. Um, so I think this I think this is our opportunity in here to let it run for a little bit. Okay. You know, let's see if see if we can build something on the possibility of Argentine flooding. Uh, we've we've traded the the you know the Brazilian. Uh, Numbers And and that was what was interesting to me going into the latest supply and demand reports was, you know, all of the domestic, or in other words, Brazilian production estimates were coming in 112 to 114 million per ton. USDA was at 108 in March. You know, so what happens the average estimate came in at 110. What What happens if we came in at 111? Is it bullish or bearish? It's above the average, but well below what's being traded in the market. That's exactly where it came in at 111. Markets reacted by rallying this week. So, you know, I think we're in position here to see the market move for a few weeks. So I'd probably sit back let's see how far it wants to run.
1: All right. Watch it put its shoes on and get out the door a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Take a look at the corn
1: crop. Let's talk old crop corn because we, I, I guess I should say, I'm still pretty surprised by the projections of this uh, this new crop coming out of South America. These mm-hmm. big acreage numbers, these big yields, yeah, is the market factoring all of that in?
2: I'd say it probably has. The, the real question to me is, you know, where are we on demand? And, and, I, and I don't think we have a clue. Um, you know, USDA continues to sit on its hands and uh, not changing export demand, despite the fact – okay, so they're still calling for us to in, increase marketing year to marketing year by about 17%. We're running 65 66% ahead of last year. Um, it, we had another solid round of export shipments in, a, uh, in today's report, or in this Thursday's report, which was as of business through last Thursday. So, I mean, export demand remains strong for corn in here. So are we underestimating demand right now, or are we afraid that demand is going to fall off a cliff uh here over the second half of the 16 17 marketing year and we're still going to come up only at the percent that the usda is looking at right now it's a real it's a it's it's a difficult question and really none of the numbers seem to make any sense so what we have to go on then is similar to what we saw in in and beans is we've got some more bullish technical signals not quite as bullish in corn um, but it looks like, you know, if, if, if beans want to rally, corn may want to follow.
1: All right. And, you know, you talk about demand falling off the cliff. You know, we're, we're, gosh, 30 cents under where we were just three months ago, and demand was strong then. Now we're cheaper. We are producing a value product, it would seem like, in here.
0: It's Yeah, I, I mean— I guess I have a
1: hard time just seeing the idea that demand is going to drop by— gosh, demand would have to be—I'm trying to crunch the numbers— like 20 percent of expectations for the rest of the year to come out par with usda's demand projection
2: right which right which is why it doesn't make any sense and why i honestly i just don't think the market's watching it anymore I, i just don't think they're looking at you know i know everyone wants to believe that that usda reports are so important but quite honestly if we look at the reaction to the last number of reports it's as if traders have moved on i mean um there's other things to look at now. And and I would agree with that. So um, certainly, you know, we, we saw that again in the April reports. I think we saw it with the, uh, with the March 31st stocks reports and so on. Um, so it'll be interesting because really the only reads that we're getting on uh, demand right now was the quarterly stocks number and the weekly export sales and shipments. And right now, the second one uh, is running much stronger than expected, and the first one was actually a little bit bearish. So we'll see how all this washes out, and it could be one of the reasons why we don't rally. So we don't rally corn as far as we do soybeans, and, and um, you know, just kind of keep a lid on some of the enthusiasm
1: okay now on the new crop side d17 corn mm-hmm. you were i don't want to say bullish but you were a little more friendly new crop corn last time we talked is that still mm-hmm. your sentiment uh looking out new crop corn versus new crop beans or have beans now come down enough that you think there's some some real rally potential
2: well you know i think i think i think corn's got some possibility in here again before too long we're going to hear more chatter about delayed plantings you know possibly losing some more acres i don't necessarily buy into all that but on on chart patterns alone you know it looks like corn's got a little bit of room to run now with corn all it might mean is that we get up and test the previous highs you know so maybe up in that low four dollar range um it's going to take something dramatic to push beyond that but the last two years two summers we've seen um you know, we've seen periods of, you know, say five to 10 days of where it got kind of hot. and We were able to rally the market once in June, once in July, get it up into that 420, 4, 425, 450 range. It's an outside chance. I mean, there's no reason to believe that we can't see a spike route, uh, but it just won't last very long. We're still dealing with a lot of corn, huge stocks of corn, and a demand that seems to be in question at this point. Um, so with new crop, yeah, I'm going to let it run. I don't hold quite as much, you know, I'm going to hold a little bit tighter rain than I do in the soybean markets, I think. Um, but I do think it could go up a little bit. Uh, we'll take advantage of that and set ourselves up to see, you know, if we do actually plant it more than, uh, what was it? Than, I don't remember how many, what, 89, 90, yeah. 90
1: was projected yeah. 90.3 exactly. or something.
2: Yeah. 90 million acres. If we plant a little more than that, probably around 91, you know, 92, if, if weather cooperates. But we'll just have to see how it plays out. So I don't think there's quite as much room to run in these corn as there is no beans. Uh, But I do think it has a little bit of upside here.
1: All right. Now, I can't let Darren Newsom off the phone without picking Uh your brains about your favorite commodity, the wheat market. Darren, we saw corn and beans up today. Wheat moved to the downside. Is that just spread Mm -hmm. trading?
2: No, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, wheat just has this terrible... Oversupply problem, not not only in the U.S. but worldwide. You know, there's headlines out today that that Europe's uh, stocks are going to go down over the next decade. Well, so what? I mean, uh, nobody cares. What we're looking at right now is a situation where there's just too much wheat worldwide. Uh, my column for this week on DTM or on the market, news on the market column for this week, uh, actually talks about the last number of years we've seen reduction in U.S. plantings. They're very you know, sharp drop off in U.S. acres towards wheat, yet ending stocks keep going up. I mean, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating, you know, characteristic of the wheat market is that we just never seem to run out. So, you know, the, these little rallies that we get in the wheat, they're all well and good. We couldn't even really rally the market that much off of, the we market that much off of, uh, you know, freeze earlier this week. Um, so, you know, is it dead in the water? Probably not. It's going to see its days. It's going to see its weeks when it rallies. But I just think there's plenty of people who are getting ready to jump on these things, take advantage of them when they happen. It's just going to be tough to, to maintain any sort of buying enthusiasm in the wheat market.
1: Okay. All right. Which, you know, that's that's the preaching to the choir, I suppose. We've seen that mm-hmm. uh, same same refrain now for a little while. Yeah. Over on the livestock side, Darren, I'm curious for a technical trader's point of view. Have you been? Uh, have you seen any charts recently of live
2: cattle? Yeah, I mean, in, very impressive. I mean, yeah. Uh,
1: well,
2: I what mean, are we doing so... now,
1: technically? We're talking a lot about the demand. I mean, packers bidding up again today. It are, are we still sticking with a technical pattern, or is this one where just cash is just driving this market?
2: That's the good thing historically, livestock markets have been cash-driven, and that was their saving grace. They didn't get all caught up uh, in the futures nonsense. And then here over the last three to five years, it's been the opposite. The futures market has tried to drive the cash. But what we've seen now, even with some bearish technical signals that we've seen out, say, on some of the weekly charts for both live cattle and feeder cattle, the fact that cash bids did not back off. And, in fact, they continued to strengthen uh, to me it's offset anything technical and we've kind of returned to the roots of the livestock markets where cash is driving the futures. So as long as we continue to see those cash bids going strong, you know, as long as we continue to see the cash markets holding up, I think we're gonna to try to push futures markets higher. Technicals are no. I think it's gonna to try to push the markets higher.
1: As a spec player, would you be would you be getting long live cattle in here, given the strength in the cash, or is this a case where the market can remain irrational longer than I can stay solvent?
2: You know, it would be so hard to turn in an order saying, I want to buy you know, I want to buy cattle up here. Uh, You know, we've gone to some new highs. Um, Well, on the long-term monthly chart, yeah. I think, you know, if I'm a spec, I could jump in and say, look, and justify it by saying, these long-term monthly charts are still bullish. So, you know, you'd have that opportunity you'd still have that argument in your pocket. But, you know, short-term, these markets you know, look like they're overbought. But, again, if the cash market wants to go up, they're not going to really pay attention to silly things like overbought, oversold indicators, uh, things of that nature. I think, you know, as long as the cash market stays under this thing, uh, it's going to probably try to go higher.
1: All right, and here's just an update from the com. Cassie Fish over there compiled this this morning. Uh, as of this morning, dressed bids were running one ninety six to two hundred all the way up to two o six and had drawn no sellers and Last week, the trade occurred two hundred to two o two and in the south, bids are a solid one twenty eight and uh I did see on Twitter that some have t- traded rather in Nebraska and Wyoming a one twenty nine to one thirty on the live basis wow. so there's that strength
2: that's impressive, Man. yeah you know and if I pull up that monthly chart. You know, and I know it's still based off the April, and that's just one of the faulty things about charting is that sometimes used contracts are basically irrelevant. Um, you know, but we, we're beyond initial resistance, around 124. Next target's 133. Then we're looking up at the 142 high, oh. you know, 142 target. Now, you, you sit there and you go, okay, now how is that possible? We've got <laughs> June trading at 114, 115. August is down at 110. But as you just said, you know, we've got a very strong cash market if we can carry that through the summer. And that's usually when we see some strength uh, due to drilling season and all that. You know, again, it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, other than looking at a chart. Um, but ultimately, it does look like we, we may want to really push this market quite a bit higher yet.
1: All right, Darren. Before we let you go, any thoughts that producers need to have in their heads as we come back from Easter and, uh, and get ready to put some corn or beans in the
2: ground? You know, we're just heading, one thing that we've seen is volatility has been pretty low, you know, over the course of the winter uh, and here even in early spring, and that's perfectly normal. But, you know, once we turn that corner, once we really get planting season going, uh, volatility starts to crank up. It means markets can move uh, faster, further, in a shorter period of time. Uh, Let it work with your option strategies. You know, if you've got some calls bought back against, uh, previously sold stuff those things are going to start to appreciate more now uh, due to increased volatility you know if if you've got some hedges on you might be getting calls from your bankers and your brokers more often from your brokers more often uh, for margin calls again because of the market moves and volatility so you know just be aware that we're heading into a much more volatile time over the spring and summer uh, it's just perfectly normal uh, but it's just the way it goes and uh, yeah you know, certainly going to be far more interesting. There's going to be more news. Everyone's gonna be watching the weather more often and this sort of thing., uh, but this is getting to be that time of year, you know, it's a quiet days are just about over.
1: That's right. The grass is getting green. things are starting to grow. Yep. We're starting to heat up throughout the markets. That's right. All right, Darren Well, hey, we'll let you get back to work. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us.
2: I Always appreciate you calling Mike.
1: Hey, all right, you take care, buddy.
2: All right, talk to you later.
0: Well, Mike, it sounds like you had a pretty good interview there with Darren. Is now a good time to share the big news from Ag News Daily?
1: I think it would be a great time, Delaney. What do you have up your sleeve?
0: Well, I actually have a few things. First of all, we finally made an Ag News Daily Facebook page. For, so for those of you that do not Twitter, we are now on Facebook as well. Find us at Ag News Daily on Facebook.
1: That's right, and we're not just on Facebook. We also have a home making progress on the World Wide Web, do we not?
0: That's right. We had an exciting web development meeting today, and I don't know that they gave us an exact deadline for when all of this should be done, but I think pretty soon by the sounds of it.
1: By the sounds of it. Now, Delaney, putting together a website and talking on a podcast every day isn't very cheap, is it?
0: It's not.
1: We are always looking for help, aren't we? We
0: are. So far, we don't have any income. From the podcast. And it's pretty much become a full-time job, I have to admit.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a lot more work than I thought
0: yes but fun work i enjoy doing it don't get me wrong
1: yes work we're passionate about but we know a lot of you are passionate as well if this is something you would like to help bring to fruition uh reach out to us you can find us at mike and or delaney at ag News daily just our first names followed by at ag News daily and uh if your company if you're an individual and you want to get your name on here give us a shout let's see what we can work out we'll be uh we'll be very happy to hear from you
0: Yes, we will. And also, you can reach us, info, at Ag News Daily if you don't know how to spell either one of our names or get it kicked back. Please, we want to hear from you. You know, we don't want, just want your money. We want your feedback, your comment, your ideas. We are here so we can better serve you.
1: But also your money. <laughs> and with that, Delaney, so we hope everybody stays tuned so we can have that conversation with Grasslands, get their perspective yes. on what's going on in Wisconsin. And other than that, I suppose... Stay tuned tomorrow.
0: Let's let the people go.